following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Thanks, Kaylin. It's so great to have some of our young people get involved in the service. Uh, my name is John Holm. I am not Chris Martin, by the way. And uh, if you are newer at Fathom, uh, Chris and his wife Marcy and their daughter Harper have been on vacation, a well-deserved vacation, and so they will be back next week. Uh, but anyway, um, I'm one of the elders here at Fathom, another one of the elders, uh, and uh, it's my privilege to be able to be bringing God's word to you today for us to be wrestling through it together. If you're joining us online, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you being with us here also. So we are going to continue in our study in the book of Matthew. If you are new to us, once again, we are doing this study through the book of Matthew. And so you can be turning there. And as you are turning there, and as I am getting my Bible the right direction here, um, I love a good story. How about you? Man, I just love it. A good story where in, in each good story, there, there's usually a conflict, a problem, or, or something that the main character has to overcome. And some of the stories I really love are where there is good and evil and that conflict between good and evil. And one of the series that we as a family have really enjoyed is the Marvel comic book series. And uh, especially, I think, for me, because I didn't grow up in America my younger years. And so I didn't grow up with American uh, comics. And so this has been a new experience for me. And so these movies started to come out, you know, Iron Man and Thor and Guardians of the Galaxy. And may I say, best soundtrack ever. <laughs> Anyway, these started to come up, and, and initially I thought, yeah, these are great standalone series that are happening. And after a while, I started seeing connections between the different movies. There were similar themes going on and similar ish, if parts of these movies, and I'm like, wait, there, there is a connection between these. And then all of a sudden, the Avengers series came out where they started to, these superheroes started coming together to fight evil. And you start hearing about this supervillain, and you learn that his name is Thanos. And Thanos has this evil plan to, to destroy half the universe if he can get all the Infinity Stones together. And so there's the Avengers Affinity War. And in this movie, the Avengers have to try and stop Thanos' evil plan of getting all the Infinity Stones so he can carry out his evil plan. And at the end of the movie, Thanos wins. The Avengers lose. Evil wins. And as you're sitting there in the theater after the movie, kind of depressed, and the, 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 the postscript's going, all of a sudden, that little clip comes on. And, and you see Fury, who leads the Avengers. He's driving down the road, and an accident happens in front of him. And, and he gets out of the car, slams on the brake, gets out. And all of a sudden, a helicopter starts to crash, and people around him started to disappear. You know, the, the, the results of Thanos carrying out his evil plan. And, and Fury grabs his little communicator, and he starts to type in a message. And all of a sudden, Fury starts to disappear, becomes part of that evil plan. And he drops his communicator, and it shows, it ends with a clip of this communicator on the ground saying, sending. You know there's more. 
And then comes out the movie Endgame, where the Avengers are going to make everything right. They're going to undo Thanos' evil plan. Folks, I'm naming this sermon today Endgame. And if you listen as Kalen read the scripture, you caught a glimpse of it. There's a problem. There's a conflict between good and evil going on. And we're going to see that in our passage today. There's a conflict between good and evil. And here's the reality as we read through scripture. That conflict is real. You and I live in that every day, this conflict. And affects all of us here and now. I mean, all we have to do is watch the news for half an hour. And folks, we know there's a problem with evil, right? Isn't most the news about all the evil that's happening in our world? And you and I can react in anger going, we have to do something about this. We've got to rid the world of evil. Or sometimes we get discouraged. Evil is winning. What's the point? We're losing. Where is God in this? We can feel like the minority. And so the question for us today as we look at this passage is, how do we thrive in the midst of living in this conflict between good and evil? See, I believe in this parable, Jesus is going to reveal to us his end game And he's going to tell us in this passage, we need to live in light of that end game. We need to learn to live with the end in mind. So how do we do that? Well, let's look at this parable. So if you haven't yet, open up to Matthew 13, and we're going to start with verse 24. And this parable goes this way. He says, he put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn." I love how he starts this. He put a parable before them. He put the story before them. Uh, At Thanksgiving this year, I had a Traeger grill for the first time and got to smoke my first turkey. And so we got this thing done and and, and laid it before with all the fixing before the family. Oh, we just savored it, took it in. It was so good. That's the the image that he gives as he starts it. He's going, I'm going to lay this before you. Take it in, savor it, think on these things. And in here he's saying, this is a story about the kingdom. I want to explain my kingdom to you. And the kingdom of God is his rule and his reign. And in the context here, he's talking about the kingdom. He's not talking about the church. We got to make sure we understand that because we can come to wrong conclusions 
See, the church is part of the kingdom, but the kingdom is so much greater and so much fast. So in this parable, he's talking, it's like we gotta, we gotta zoom out and get the bigger picture of the kingdom in this. And he gives a story of this man who goes out and sows good seed in his field. And it says that an enemy came and sowed weeds, bioterrorism. You know, do you know that, that Rome actually had laws on the book punishing people who would do this type of thing? So Jesus takes something that's reality and he says, I'm going to use this as a story so that I can explain the kingdom to you. So this enemy comes, sows, sows weeds amongst the field, and it says, eventually the servants saw that the weeds were there, but it was after a while. And so they come to the master and go, do you want us to get rid of these? I thought you put only good seed in there. And he goes, no, no, let them grow together for the har- till the harvest. And at that time, I will separate them out. Now, Kyle and I had the advantage, <coughs> excuse me, because last week the parable he did and this week the parable, Jesus actually explains them for us. Some of the parables, he just gives a parable, a story, and we're left to go, okay, what does that mean? But in this one, he explains. So let's jump on to verse 36 and read what Jesus' explanation of the parable is. And it says, And he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us this parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, The one who sows a good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. And so Jesus explains this parable to us. And so just a quick snapshot of it, we've got this list that Jesus gives. So the sower is a son of man, that's Jesus. That's Jesus' title he uses for himself. The field is the world. The good seed, those are the children of the kingdom. Whereas the weeds are children of the evil one. The enemy is the devil. The harvest, the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. But in this, he's showing us there is a cosmic conflict going on. And the cosmic conflict is this. It's good versus evil. And on the good side, it's the Son of Man, Jesus. Jesus, who is planting good seed. He's the creator of all good things. And yet, on the other hand, we have the devil who wants to destroy everything good that God has done. And he plants the weeds, evil people. Good seed produces good fruit, and as a result, there will be a reward. Whereas the evil people produce bad fruit, and there is eternal punishment in that. He gives us this picture of the conflict that you and I live in. It's a picture of the past, the present, and the future. He gives us this snapshot of God's ultimate plan, his end game 
for this world. So in light of that, let me go back to the question. How do you and I thrive as we live in the midst of this cosmic conflict? And we do that, folks, by learning to live with the end in mind. And I think out of this passage, we can take three actions we can take to help us learn to live with the end in mind. And the first one is this. You and I need to remember the past. First action, remember the past. Let's go back to verse 24 and 25. He says this. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among them, among the wheat, and went away. See, Jesus gives us this parable and takes us back, first of all, to creation, to the beginning of the world, to where it all happened. And in that, we're going to see the snapshot of where evil came from. Um, this week in the, uh, the class Gary's teaching on spiritual warfare, uh, we had this little conversation about how many times God will bring multiple touch points on a truth for us to understand. And I think he's doing that with us here in the last month. And it has to do with us remembering the source of evil, where it comes from. So Gary's talking a lot about that in the class. Chris, a few weeks ago, talked about Genesis because we're going to go back real quick and look at Genesis. Because in Genesis 1 through 3, we see the creation, God's creation. And, and, and as God creates, what does it say each day after he creates? And it was good. It was good. It was good. Then he created man. It was very good. What kind of seed did the sower plant? Good seed. And so here Jesus is giving us an image of him as the God who created everything good. Adam and Eve lived in a perfect environment. There was no cosmic conflict. There was no conflict with evil. There was no evil at that point. And yet, we have Genesis 3. In the passage, it says, the enemy came. In Genesis, in Genesis 3, we find that, verse 1, it says, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. Back to our parable. And while they were sleeping, an enemy came and sowed weeds. Folks, Satan is the deceiver. And he came to sow evil in Adam and Eve. And he deceived them through his words, thinking that they were missing out on something. Sowed seeds of discontent. Sowed seeds that they were missing out. Sowed seeds of rebellion against God. And eventually they gave in. God said, you can have everything except this one thing. Do not eat of the tree of good and evil. And yet they went for it. They sinned against God. And Romans 5.12 says this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Back to the parable. An enemy has done this. Folks, you and I need to remember the past because it gives us a perspective of the present and the future. See, here, Jesus, in this simple 
parable gives us the core of the problem of the universe. He points us back first to help us give the right theology to interpret why there is evil in the world, why our hearts have a bent towards evil, and eventually as we're going to see his solution to it. Folks, if we don't remember the past, if we don't acknowledge the past, if we don't go back and see where the source of sin of evil comes from, we can't move forward. We can't really find the right solution. Back in February, I uh, started getting some tooth pain. And so called the dentist, went in, they did x-rays. It's like, well, we don't really see anything there. Thought, okay. But he said, you need to go to a specialist because our equipment just isn't good enough. The specialists really diagnose what's going on. So they gave me this referral, paper slip, call this guy, set up an appointment. So what did I do? I went home, put it on my bulletin board, started using mouthwash, and the pain went away. Fixed myself, solved the problem, no issues. Six weeks ago, that pain came back with a vengeance. Have you ever had tooth pain before? I mean, the, the, the awful kind? just radiating through. You can't lay on the pillow. You got to sleep sitting up. It was awful. So what did I do? Grab the slip, call the specialist. Can't get you in for a month. Out of town, busy. You guys, this is like panic time. Called my dentist. He tried to do something. I mean, he's saying, yeah, we now see the problem. Root canal, you need that. He tried, got part of it done. It's like, we can't finish it up. It's too complicated for us. I went through it again, another root canal. Went, finally got into the dentist. You know part of the reason why I didn't call him right away? I didn't really want to know what the problem was. I, I, I don't feel it, no issue, no problem. See folks, if we don't remember the past and really know what the problem, where evil comes from, the source of it, we can't move forward to the solution for it. See, the, the remembering the past pushes us to God's end game and what he's going to do to solve the problem. So the first thing we need to do is remember the past. The second thing we need to do to, to be able to keep the end in mind is by being faithful in the present. Let's jump back into the parable here. Verse 26, it says, So when the plants came up and bore grain... Then the weeds appeared also, and the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seeds in your field? How does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. Jesus actually does something kind of unexpected in this parable, in this story. See, when, when we hear about the weeds, in fact, the servant said, don't you want us to go out and solve this issue, take care of this, get rid of the weeds, get rid of the evil? That's our natural expectation of what should happen. When I was in high school, and I think I've shared this before. Um, I went to high school in a small community in Minnesota, farming community, and the jobs that we could get as high schoolers were out in the fields with the farmers. And so the farmers would plant these, uh, their bean crop in these rows, 
And then the plants would come up, the weeds would come up, and they'd put this cultivator on their tractor and go up and down the rows and get the weeds in between the plants. But they couldn't get stuff by the plants. So they'd hire cheap labor. I think we were making, what, a dollar an hour back then? And uh, we'd go up and down the rows, cutting down the weeds amongst the bean plants. And we did that because the farmers knew that the weeds would affect the plants. They could take nutrients and choke out, as, as Kyle said last week in our parable, choke out the plants. And so we're going, wait a minute. Jesus, it sh- shouldn't, shouldn't the, the weeds be taken out right now? We need to solve this right now. Well, to understand this, we've got to understand how they planted wheat back then. And they would turn up the ground, and then they would broadcast the seed. It was just thrown out there. And it was all together, and it would come up together. And so you can imagine, as it comes up, the root system. But if weeds were in with it, they would grow up, and it would all be growing together. So I remember walking up and down the bean rows, and there are times where it's like, ah, it's just so much easier to just yank those weeds and pull them out. And I did that once in a while, and you know what would happen? the root system would be attached to the bean plants. And it would pull up a bunch of bean plants. It's like, whoa, okay, I guess we're not doing that. And so in this passage, we see that uh, they grew together and actually have a picture um, of the, uh, the wheat, and then it was called actually tares back then. And it was a noxious weed that would grow up amongst them. The wheat is on the left, the, the uh, tares or the weeds were on the right. But the stalks were very similar. And so you wouldn't know the difference between the two until the grain started to appear on the top. But by then, you can imagine how much the, the root system would have grown together in that. And that's why the master in here is saying, no, we need to let them grow together. So do you see where the focus of the master was? What was his focus? It was on the wheat and getting the best crop possible in that situation. It wasn't so much on the weeds. He knew the weeds were there. The focus was on the, king, the children of the kingdom or those who would become children of the kingdom. Whereas the servants, the focus was on the evil. We need to get rid of it now. We need to solve this problem now. Fathom, the wise farmer was focused on what was best for the good seed, the wheat, the sons of the kingdom. And that meant allowing both the wheat and the weeds to coexist now in order for the best harvest of wheat in these circumstances. So do you know why God allows evil to exist now? Because he understands the best end game, the best harvest for the wheat for the most people to come to faith. That's hard for us at times, isn't it? Because we live in the midst of that conflict. He's letting it go on. But God in his omniscience sees all of history from beginning to end. He knows the right timing for the harvest. And the reason he gives is lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat alongside them. Jesus is telling us his end game. So how do we remain faithful in the present under these circumstances? Let me give us two ways. First, a mandate 
and then actually a caution for us. Here's the mandate. So did Jesus leave us just to flounder here, just to exist till that time in the future? We just got to put up with evil? No, he gave us a mandate. If you flip to the end of Matthew, before Jesus left, he had died on the cross, he rose, interacting with his disciples before he leaves. Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Folks, God has given us a specific mission. He has invited us to be a part of making sure there is as much harvest as possible. Our job, our mission is to make disciples, to produce more wheat, to turn the weeds into wheat. So in my day job, I think most of you know I'm a realtor. I help people buy and sell houses, and I love doing it. I love helping people through the process, the biggest financial decision most people are going to make. That's my day job. That's my career. You know, I have a mission that supersedes that. So therefore, in doing my job, my mission is to help people become disciples of Christ to help them become followers. So if they already are a believer, then as I interact, as I help them, I need to do the best job possible to help them take another step in their discipleship, to make wise financial decisions, to be be good stewards of the money God has given them, to think about, is this the right place God has for me to live? Is this where I can be most effective to raise my family to be disciples, to make an impact for the kingdom? And if they aren't already disciples of Christ, then I need to be a part of helping them see Jesus. I need to influence them towards him and do such a great job with them, love them and care for them so well that they see a difference in me, that they see him and me. And as a result, maybe take a step closer to becoming one of his disciples. See, you guys, we have a mission, and we need to stay focused on the end game by cultivating harvest. That's how we remain faithful in the present. But let me give us a caution. Just like the servants, we need to be careful about getting distracted by the weeds. It's so easy for us to do that as we live in this age with evil all around us. We can be more focused on the weeds, not the weak. And we can easily get distracted by getting involved in current issues, politics, arguments, conflict, and in trying to rid the world of evil. We can even try and make our country God's kingdom. And that becomes our end game, not his. In fact, do you know that this was the, the, the expectation of Jesus' disciples and of the followers that he had, the Jews? He was the Messiah. He was supposed to come conquer the, the Romans, kick them out, set himself up as king. Jesus, bring your kingdom now. Get rid of evil now. And Jesus is saying, no. I'm going to let this thing exist Evil and good exist. The weeds and the wheat to exist now. Why? 
because I have a different end game. I have something else I'm wanting to accomplish in this. So our experience is living in this world amongst the weeds, amongst the evil, and our tendency is wanted to fix them now, just like the servants did. So what does this mean? Does this mean that we shouldn't influence our world for good? That we shouldn't get involved in the issues of our day that are anti-Christian? That we shouldn't get involved in politics or vote? That we shouldn't have conversations with people who aren't Christ followers about what we think is morally right and wrong? Actually, I think we should do those things. But we shouldn't allow them to become a distraction from our main mission. Our main mission of making disciples. So let me give us some questions to think about as we think about getting involved in the issues in our day. First of all, am I getting involved because of the opportunity to influence people to Christ or to further my own agenda? Is this the most effective way for me, for me to fulfill the great commission of making more disciples? And how about this one? Are the issues more important to me than the people on the other side of the issue? Is the issue more important? See, I had to wrestle through this last year, election year. We all know how that went, what happened, conflict, just difficulty. But anyway, many times I have clients that are referred to me by somebody else, and I don't really know them that well. Well, get to know them, they hire me, we start this relationship, start looking at houses, working together, and then we become friends on Facebook. You know, do the invite thing, great. And so did that with a client, and all of a sudden, I started seeing what they were posting on there. And I see that their views are very, very different than mine. And they're posting stuff, and, and you know how you, you react against that? You know, your blood starts to boil a little bit. How can they think that? How can they believe? I need to write, you know. And, and what, would hap- what was happening was the, the, the issue became more important and got, became a distraction against my main calling of loving them, caring for them. In fact, you know, you start to see somebody in a different light and view them differently so easily. And God had to convict me of that and say, nope. Don't let the issue be more important than your job of making more disciples, of loving them, caring for them, helping them take a step closer to loving either knowing Jesus or loving him better. We can so easily get distracted, folks, and that's the caution for us in being faithful in the present. So we need to remember the past. We need to be faithful in the present. And then just one more quick one here. We need to prepare for the future. Prepare for the future. Look what he says in verse 30. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. And then jumping down to the explanation, 39, the second or the middle of the verse 39, it says, the harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. 
In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Fathom, this is a very troubling parable and a very hopeful parable. It's very troubling for those who don't prepare for the future. Very troubling for those who don't prepare. It's troubling for those who don't live with the end in mind, who don't remember the past and don't acknowledge that there is evil, there is a problem, and that problem is in us. Folks, Scripture tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that the wages of sin is death, and that God is a righteous judge who holds all of us accountable for our sin. He holds all of us accountable, and one day we will all stand before him and give an account for our lives and what we have done. And we will be judged according to his standard, not the world's standard, not our standard. We need to give an account to him someday. Look at who will face judgment. He gives two, two uh, categories here. And the first are the lawbreakers, which I think we understand. Anyone who breaks God's law, lawbreaker. But then he says, causes of sin. And what this is, is those who cause sin to happen, those who promote it, or those who influence others to sin. And I don't think we think about this enough. We think, well, I'm accountable for my own sin. Everyone's accountable for their own sin. But in here, what we see is we are also accountable when we cause others to sin. How many times do we stop and think about that? I've heard Christians say, well, you know, I've got my fire insurance. I, I know I'm going to heaven. I've gone through the motions. I've said the prayer. But I can live my life any way I want. It's only hurting me if it's hurting anybody. Do you know we all influence people? So we don't think about that, but if we just think about others who influence us, yes, we influence others. And so for a Christian to say that and then just go out and live in sin, you are then influencing anybody around you to live that way. You become a cause of sin and you will be accountable to that. I mean, this is serious stuff, you guys. And I think if we step back from that and understand what it means to be a disciple and follow Christ, that means honoring him in everything that we do. We do it out of a love for him, not out of an obligation. And someday when we stand before God, he's going to say, did you really know me? A couple of weeks ago, Chris talked about the fact that in Matthew, Jesus says, at the judgment day, there are going to be people coming to me going, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Folks, that is scary. So for those who don't prepare, folks, this is something we need to take light of. But for those who do prepare, let me give you just some encouragement. There is great hope in that. A couple things. One is... God will make everything right someday. That should encourage us so much as we live in the midst of evil, as we live in the midst where we are many times wronged, and it seems like evil gets away with it. 
God someday will hold everybody accountable. He is the judge and he will make things right. So we can live, even if we're wronged, knowing that one day God will make it right. That should give us great hope. The other thing is this, is the reward. And it says this at the end of the explanation. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. You know what our hearts desire more than anything else? What our hearts were made for? That's an intimate relationship with Jesus. We seek for it in everything else, and really, we can experience those things, but they don't totally satisfy. And this gives us a picture of us when God puts us once again in the right with him, where he takes away all, all the influence of sin on us, the veil between us and him is gone. And we can stand before him and it says we will shine like the sun. We will reflect him perfectly. And it's an intimate uh, picture here of being with our father. That's our reward, you guys. That's what we're preparing for. So as we live our lives, folks, in the midst of this evil world, the question for us is, are we living with the end in mind? Are we remembering the past? Are we being faithful in the present? And are we preparing for the future? God help us do that well this week. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you have chosen to reveal your end game to us. Father, as we looked at the past, Father, we know that because of our sin, it caused separation between us and you. And right there and then, Father, even at the beginning, you should have totally wiped us out. But because of your mercy and your grace, your long suffering, you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Father, because of your mercy and your grace and you're giving your son for us to die in our place, so that our sins could be forgiven and we could be made right with you. And one day, Father, look forward to spending eternity with you in that perfect environment where there is no conflict anymore. There is only good because we are with you, the good God. I thank you, that Father, for that picture today. And I pray, Father, that if we need to take steps to make things right with you today, that we would do that. Give us the courage, the boldness to step forward and do that today. And Father, for those of us who are just suffering in the midst of evil, I pray that you would encourage our hearts greatly, that you would help us to be patient in the process, but be hopeful knowing that one day you will make it right. And in the midst of it, we also know because of scripture, you walk with us each and every day and will help us to do good and to do right, even when the world around us is not doing that. So thanks for this encouragement today, Father. And I pray now as we turn to our time and communion and in worship, Father, that you would fill our hearts with great encouragement. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.